VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like a full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. All from TireRack.com. TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you had a great weekend. Most of you sports fans had the weekend off, right? You're like, ah, oh, weekend off. That's because Friday night, the NBA season came to a not-so-thrilling end as the Golden State Warriors, for the second straight year, for the third time in four years, called themselves champions. We do a lot of stupid things in my business. One is some trying to diminish that they won back-to-back championships for three out of the last four. This is not a dynasty! I I really, I almost, um, I almost sometimes struggle to turn on the TV because we so badly want to discover topics to talk about, we just make things up. It's like the, well, Steph hasn't won an MVP, a finals MVP, So does that somehow diminish from his career? No. Not even a little bit. But whatever. 
That's who we are. Right? You go to dictionary.com, you try and look up uh um uh you try and look up the origin the, the meaning of dynasty, and under meaning of dynasty, you have a rule of you know a, a sequence of rulers from such family, stock, or group. Right? The rule of such a sequence. The Golden State Warriors have won three out of four titles they've played in four straight NBA finals. So by definition, they have ruled the NBA, correct? So by definition, it's a dynasty. You don't have to like the way they came upon or happened upon this dynasty. And by the way, many of you who texted me or tweeted me or whatever, you're welcome for that incredible analogy with Pretty Woman on how the Warriors saved Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant rescued them right back. But by definition, this is, in fact, a dynasty. Then we have LeBron James, who, A, mailed in game game four. Don't get me wrong, I mailed in game four. I, I'm just as guilty as LeBron is. I agreed to going out to dinner with my wife and a couple of our friends, and I also agreed to not have a say in where we were going. Now, uh, there is a present-day version of She's a Keepa. You guys remember the She's a Keepa discussion last week? Okay, it comes from Bronx Tale. Started Bronx Tale. You know she's a keeper. You open the door. Chivalry, not dead. Open the door. She gets in. You lock your door. You go around the back of the cart to see if she unlocks the door for you. If she unlocks the door for you, she's a keeper. This happened in Great Britain with the royal wedding. Was that two weekends ago, three weekends ago? I was so early in the morning. I didn't watch it, but I did see it. Anyway, that's a She's a Keeper. There's a new, maybe married version of She's a Keeper. And that's if there's such a sporting event like the NBA Finals. And she sets up dinner plans. Did she call ahead and say, hey, there's a TV there, right? Additionally, and this is a big one. This is this is the kicker. This is the ultimate she's a keeper. Going back to, it's not just unlocking the door. If she pushes open the door for you, and actually then you're like, oh, we're talking unicorn status here. The better part for women in 2018 or maybe married she's a keeper and not married even better is now it is she select a restaurant at least partially based upon whether or not there's television sets. But then she says, oh, wait, let's switch chairs so that you can see the TV, right? I mean, that's a woman. Forget about hips, thighs, lips. That's a woman. Anyway, welcome into the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I mailed it in, but thanks to the power of, of, of cell phones, we watched it on YouTube TV live. And we actually had kind of dueling TVs going at it. It was pretty awesome. That puppy was over seemingly at jump ball, which is what we told you. And by my estimation, based upon point spread and general theme of game, I nailed all four games. I told you I thought Golden State uh, could lose game one, but they would win in a squeaker. They did. I didn't know that J.R. Smith would have a brain, brain flatulence or that they'd hold on to only win by 10 when the spread was 12. Told you what I thought would happen in game two. Told you game three was going to be one last push uh, from the Cavs. And while all the guys uh, took the Cavs, I took the Warriors. And then we thought game four was a blowout. 
Losing in four games, if you're LeBron James, was defensible. Defensible. Look, he had 51 points in game one. 51 points. As magnificent an offensive effort as you're going to find. I, I, I can't. I'm, uh, even the most ardent LeBron hater could support LeBron James when he was cold as ice to J.R. Smith after regulation, right? You're like, well, you know, his coach didn't call a timeout. His teammate missed a free throw. His other teammate didn't know time and score, and nobody else thought to call a timeout. And so, you know what? I'm not going to get on to LeBron for that. We're good. Game two, LeBron wasn't great. Wasn't great. But because so much emotion and energy was expent in game one, that too is understandable. Right? Totally understandable. Um, game three, he was good. He was good. You know, game three, he ends up with 33 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds. And no, he didn't guard Kevin Durant down the stretch. But I, even I would make the argument, hey, he's trying to ex- save as much energy as he can. Okay, I'll give him a relative pass. Game four, that bad boy was over, right? That thing was over. We all knew it was over. LeBron was trying to be gracious, trying to make a proper exit, trying to just let his guys play. He was kind of done. It was one, two, three, Cancun. What are you going to do? Lay your guts out there all over the floor, try and go for 60, be a pig? I'd like to think, yeah, but I think he was just done. We were all done. That's why they had those interviews to which he's got really, really, had a lot of perspective. Started, you know, we started talking about, that's why he started leaking as to what teams he would look at. Like, there's a reason all those things happened before game four, because we knew this puppy was over. I give him a pass for all of that. Then he shows up in the post-game press conference. The end of the NBA Finals. One to which at least he was in the conversation of being the Finals MVP, even if he didn't win it after his team got swept. And he had a soft cast on his right shooting hand because he, to quote his own words, basically... Played the last three games with a broken hand. What happened? Uh, self-inflicted. Post-game after game one. Uh, very emotional for a lot of different reasons. Understanding how important a game one is on the road for our ball club. What would that done for us? Um, the way we played, the calls that was made throughout the course of that game. And I had emotions on, you know, the game was taken away from us. I had emotions of you just don't get an opportunity like this on the road versus Golden State to be able to get a game one. You know, I let the emotions get the best of me and pretty much played the last three games with a broken hand. So yeah. that's, that's what it is. Okay, so I, I, he broke his hand, which makes the 33 he had in game three more impressive. He didn't play terribly well in game four. 23, eight assists, six turnovers, seven of 13. Didn't shoot jump shots. Now all of a sudden the hand is a problem. All the other stuff is defensible. And it's understandable to want it to be explained that he had a broken hand. And I know that he sits there and wants to, wants to go like, hey, look, we game one set the tone for this series. And he wanted to say, I screwed up by punching the blackboard. I pulled a nuke Lelouch. You guys have seen Bull Durham, right? Punch with, don't punch with your pitching hand, meat. 
But what are you doing? You hadn't been seen in public wearing a soft cast since game one. Why is now the moment to wear a soft cast? Why? Why would you do that? Now, I'm going to hypothesize. This is not a fact. I'm going to hypothesize that, look, LeBron is one of these. he, He doesn't even look like a human, right? Humans aren't that big, aren't that talented, aren't that smart, aren't that fluid despite that size like he's he's almost the perfect creation of every little part but because of it there's a lack of i don't know if i want to say common sense or just you just like do you not have any friends do you not have somebody who says hey dude what are you doing well the doctor told me to put on this brace you couldn't wait 10 minutes all you have to do is go out there, answer the questions about the team, and as he was, respectful about Kevin Durant, about the Warriors, give us his take on what happened with the finals. He cannot answer the questions about what he's going to do next and give us a little bit of perspective on where he's staying. And then when he gets off the podium, if it gets leaked out there through Windhorst or wherever their sources, hey, do you know LeBron had a broken hand? When? Game four? No. Game two, three, and four. No way. No way. Then the photos of the swollen hand would get leaked out. Then they're like, you know what? He did have a broken hand. We're talking hero deity status. Instead, now we're talking about DB status. Really? Oh, by the way, I broke my hand. But my bad, I punched the blackboard because they made bad calls against us and my teammates sucked and my coach didn't call a timeout. That's what it feels like. Once I heard he broke, yeah, basically that's playing with a broken hand, and only now are you breaking out the brace when you obviously didn't need it. He had a chance to win even though he lost every game. Checks out, he subs out, and he, hey, why is LeBron dapping everybody with his left hand? Huh. Huh. We got all these internet sleuths. They would have figured it out. Somebody would have leaked it, and he would his status would have risen. Instead, you're like, really? Oh, yeah, by the way, I had a broken hand. Really? I'm not denying that he had a broken hand. I'm not denying that considering he had a broken hand, he's even probably better than we could have thought possible. I know there's hundreds of bones in your hands and feet, and you can break one, and it doesn't affect you, but... He's an incredible athlete. Every little ounce of pain or every little ounce of energy and preparation that's put forth towards your hand instead of towards some other part of your body that can screw you up. Like I can explain, but why are you wearing a brace? What are you doing? You're, hey, sorry I sent that text last night, but I was really hammered. Guy, that's who you become. But you still sent the text, right? right? You still sent the text? In an effort to protect his image, he has hurt his image. And there goes the note to anybody who signs him. You're going to get an immensely talented player. But one that brings with him a ton of drama. And even when drama doesn't need to exist, he seems to want to stir it up. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We've had him on before. He's great. Great with us. 
Very good coach. Lost his gig in Charlotte. Had some health issues. Returned to the sidelines now with the Orlando Magic. And he's getting ready for the upcoming NBA draft. He's Steve Clifford. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Coach, what did you think of the finals? Uh, I guess I, I think kind of kind of what I uh, what I expected actually. Um, I thought it would be, you know, good for Cleveland to win one game, which obviously they could have in Game One. But I just, you know, I just think Golden State uh, the talent discrepancy was enough, so it was going to be difficult for them to do more than that. Yeah, I, I do. The Game One thing was really interesting because, uh, and I'm sure you know. Uh, you know, the former player, the former uh, assistant, the head coach in you is thinking about all these millions of things that, that go on. And I just wonder how many how many coaches out there are nodding their head because Jr. obviously didn't know time and score. And then no one thought to call a timeout. Right. It's like one of those. Is it were there some other learning moments to which you watching are processing and looking at it differently than just, hey, LeBron's awesome, but Golden State's more awesome. Oh no! I, I think you hit it right on the. You know, uh, uh, I, I would agree with that totally. I mean, think about it. That game, he has fifty-one, um, and obviously the, the the block charge play was uh, was uh, was obviously as big or bigger play and as, as the last one. And the tough one in the last play is it was almost difficult, in my opinion, to see if Jr. was trying to just get some space to shoot a turnaround jumper or if he just didn't know how much time there was left on the clock. So I think that was a, that was a tough one, too, in terms of calling the timeout. But um, even with that said, I, I mean, I, you know, even if they would have won that game, I would have been surprised if they would have won another one. There's, um, there's a sense that LeBron, if he leaves, he's got to stay in the East because it's, it's an easier path than, than the West. Then I look around and I'm like, wait, wait, Boston got to the Eastern Conference Finals without their two best players. Milwaukee seems to not be crazy far away. Philadelphia is really young and they're going to have some money to add another piece. Uh, Obviously, Toronto can't seem to get over LeBron, but they still are able to beat almost everybody else in the East. How far behind the the West do you think the East actually is, especially at the top? Yeah, not not nearly as much as it has been. Um, yeah, like you said, Toronto won fifty nine games. Uh, you know, Philadelphia has two superstars and room for another all star caliber player. And again, like you said, in Boston uh, is terrific. And then you know, Milwaukee has to me a superstar in Giannis, and then in, you know an all star caliber player in Chris Middleton. And if Jabari Parker's healthy. And returns another guy, you know, who can score twenty a night. So I, I think the top of these uh, has become better and better over the last two years. Steve Clifford, head coach of the Orlando Magic, joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. You were in Orlando the last time Orlando was Kings of the East. How big a rebuild project is, is this? Um, well, you know what? I'm actually in the process, or our staff's in the process of really doing a, a total study now. Um, as you know, this first month is about getting up to speed on your roster. And, you know, we only won 25 games last year, but, you know, really took two significant uh, injuries with Terrence Ross and Jonathan Isaac only played, well, both played less than 30 games. Um, and then had some other 
you know, health issues where, you know, very good players, Evan Fournier, Nick Vucevic, you know, missed significant periods of time. Aaron Gordon missed some time. So it was a team that started 12-6. and six. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, we have the sixth pick, and hopefully we can, you know, help our, our depth there. But, um, you know, there are definitely some things that you can look at uh, and feel good about. So I'll feel more comfortable answering that question in about three weeks. But, you know, I do feel good about a lot of the things that I'm seeing on film. It, it's interesting because it's really hard to tell. You know, once you got past, I mean, frankly, you're like your team in Charlotte, a lot of those other teams were trying to be bad, right? It was, exactly. oh, you know, so it's like, are they really bad or are they trying to be bad? Where, where is, you know, I mean, like that, that's a, that's a hard one to answer, but were you guys, you know, was the magic that bad or were they trying to be a little bit worse than their actual talent would, de- would determine? And uh, I guess the quote is <clears throat> play younger players, right? That's, that's what it's called playing younger players. No question. And, and the, the one thing I know is they started the season at 12 and six. And my point is, that's 18 games. So it's a little bit under a quarter of your schedule. That's not like being four and two or five and three. Uh, they beat Cleveland twice. They beat San Antonio. They beat some good teams. And that's when they started to take some injuries, um, which hurts any team. So uh, that's obviously glass half full. Uh, but again, if you can play 18 games in this league at 12 and six, then you know there's some good things that were happening. You, you, um, your your peak with with Charlotte was the playoff season, the second playoff run, right? When you guys won 48 games, and you guys added some pieces. Um, why weren't you able to sustain it to a level to which they were happy with? Well, the you know the 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 biggest thing that hurt us uh, two years ago coming off the 48-win season was, you know, on that team we had six free agents, and they all played well. Um, So, you know, we were able to keep Nick Batum and Marvin Williams. Uh, We lost Jeremy Lin, Al Jefferson, uh, Troy Daniels, all guys, you know, who were, you know, contributors or important players, rotation guys for that team. I'm sorry, and Courtney Lee. Um, and if you look at it two years ago, our biggest problem was bench play. Uh, our starters were, I think, 10th or 11th in differential point differential that year. And usually that would allow you to again, be a playoff team, but, um, you know, losing those guys, you know, we just really struggled when we went to the bench this year, uh, which was, you know, really to me, the the you know the, the most disappointing year that we had there was I thought that Doug I thought this was our best team uh, we had more depth you know we brought in Dwight um, we had always been a very good defensive team uh, the year we went forty eight we we're ninth in offense ninth in defense we we're much more balanced and I thought this year we could be a top five defensive team. And I thought we had enough offense so that if we could be 10, 11, 12, we'd have the balance necessary to win. We actually ended up 13th in offense, but we were 16th or 17th defensively. So the thing that had been our calling card for four years, um, you know, was what, it, what let us down. And uh, that's the biggest disappointment for me.
You know, it's fascinating. I had a conversation uh, with another Eastern Conference coach just last week. And I said, will it ever, will it ever come back to the days of which uh, you'll, you'll play through a big guy? And he's like, no. No, everybody loved fans like the way they're playing now. It's, it's impossible and inefficient to score in the low post. And so, you know, the, frankly, the Dwight Howards or, you know, you look around kind of the East and there's some of these guys that are, they're players from a foregone era in that throwing the ball inside just does not make sense analytically, uh, especially to a big guy and trying to score in the, in the low post. Do you see that changing anytime soon? No, and I think that, uh, you know, actually one of the things that I've seen so far on film here is, you know, we have, you know, Nikolai Vucevic who started shooting threes last year. And when you talk about playing through a five-man now offensively, I think the best teams can do one of two things or both. One is having the ability to play five out. Right. Uh, You know, Al Horford in Boston – um, where you can play him at five and you can be terrific on offense and create space for everybody else to play. And then defensively, you're not getting dominated down low. You know, he can do both. I think that's the first way you want to play. Or you need to have small ball, uh, the small propellers. Ball. Yeah, oh, oh, a role a roll guy. A role guy who a can defend, guy. defend the rim. And just catch and finish, and otherwise, and and reasonably well, uh, switch onto a guard. Exactly right. So, it's to, to me, it's one of those two things: five out or four out, one in, where you have the chance to play well at both ends of the floor. Um, and that's it. I mean, I think that that's the way to go. I mean, a lot of it, if you want to know truthfully, when you look at the post up game now, and it's one of the places where I think Golden State's not quite as good is, you know, they had great success when they had Bogut, and then actually with Pachulia, is posting five men just to set up cutting options. Right. And, you know, that's the other part of it. Like here with Nick, I feel we can do some of that, too. Fascinating. Uh, okay, so as we look forward, and obviously you can't tell us who you have number one on your board, but how much does that change? You know, there's a lot of talented big guys how much does that change how you look at big players? Hey, can they play out in the perimeter? Can they shoot? Can they handle? Can they pass? As opposed to how dominant they are scoring in the low post in college. Oh, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a huge deal. I mean, unless again you're confident that they can be versatile defensively, so like you're saying, they can be involved in switching, and you know they can be that dynamic roller. Um, but, you know, just to me, a post-up player, again, unless he's terrific defensively, I mean, if you look at the best teams, Boston being a great example, you need two-way players. Right. Uh, you need positional size, and you need guys that can play well at both ends of the floor. And I would make this argument, again, watching playoff, playoff basketball especially, but even to be balanced in the regular season, much is said about perimeter players who can't shoot threes, right? Right. The guys that hurt you just as much now are the guys that are pretty good offensive players but are really bad defensively. Like, to me, with all the five out and the four out one in where there's so much space to play, the poor defender, like, if you're a poor defender, you better be 23-24 at night. All right, so, uh, so, so okay, so, listen, again, I'm giving you – 
hypothetical. There's a guard. There's a guard in the draft that puts up crazy numbers offensively, but based upon what we've seen, not particularly engaged defensively, and might not have uh, the athletic gifts of some people defensively. How cautious of you as a head coach are you, even though those type of numbers and those type of shots may put more people in the stands? Yeah, well, I think the determination that you have to make on a guy like that would be, it's, it's, again, I think your question is two-pronged a little bit is because it's a question a lot of times I think is, you know, can he, you know, is he capable and not doing it, you know, or is he not capable, right? That's the first thing. And then the second one is, it's how good offensively is he? Again, I mean, if you're 24 a night or you're, you know, an incredible playmaker or both, you know, you have to find ways to win with that guy. I, I just think that the guy that scores 14 a night and doesn't defend, those guys are hard to win with now. No question about it. No question about it. Uh, Coach, we wish you nothing but success in Orlando. We'll hope to catch up with you after this NBA draft. Get back to uh, watching all that film and trying to figure out what you have and how to fix it. We appreciate you joining us on Fox Sports Radio. Thank you, Doug. Anytime, I appreciate it. Pleasure is all mine. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Bunch of stuff to talk about with Kevin Durant. That's because Kevin Durant is doing a lot of talking. Let's start with right after winning the NBA Finals, he was asked about Steph Curry not winning Finals MVP. Steph was unbelievable in this series as well as you were, nine threes for a Finals record. He closes out with 37, and he still never won a Finals MVP. Does it, it matter? A... You does, it, does it? We won two champs. We just won back-to-back. I don't, I don't think nobody even worried about that type of stuff. Uh, I'm glad that we came out and played a great game tonight was able to finish the series off. Um, That's the only thing that matters to us. Does it, in fact, matter? Remember, Steph only played 15 of the 21 playoff games for the Golden State Warriors. He averaged 25.5 points a game. He averaged five assists, six rebounds. And he had a couple of incredible games. The fourth quarter in Game 2 and all of Game 4. He struggled in Game 3. Pretty good in Game 1, although not not spectacular. Um, you know, if you remember game one, he was 11 of 23, 5 11 from three, 20, you know, 29 points, nine assists. The stats look better because he hit a bunch. He hit some shots in overtime as well. You know, game two, he was only six of 20 before going on that stretch at the end of the game. Six of 20 hit his last, uh, hit his last five shots, I believe. Struggled in game three, great in game four. Averaged 27.5 points a game, 6.5 rebounds a game, 7.5 assists a game, and wasn't the finals MVP. And it was probably the right, it was probably about the right selection. About. Had you given it to Steph, it'd been fine. If you'd given it to Kevin Durant, it'd be fine. You could have said the exact same thing when you go back to when Andre Godala won the MVP. But, um, but does it actually matter? These are the type of things that they don't... I don't think anybody goes back and really discusses all that often in trying to compare somebody's historical greatness. Do they? That one feels like a very much a media discussion. Finals MVP. 
don't get me wrong, we've made the regular season MVP into something bigger than it actually is. Regular season MVP is, I think, I actually think it is exactly what it is, which is, hey, who had the best regular season of the best players? Because it doesn't mean that LeBron's not the best player in the league or Kevin Durant's not the best player in the league. And they do have NBA postseasons awards to which they ultimately have that award. But does it actually matter who was the finals MVP? I don't think so. Um, Durant said some other stuff, which is interesting. He said, I feel like it's easy to be the best player when you don't have good players around you. I feel like it's harder to stand out when you have great players around you. I pride myself on standing out wherever I am. I pride myself on working hard wherever I go. And I feel like these guys embrace me. I feel like I'm a warrior. And what happens is we get caught in a sentence or two. And we try to dispute it, right? I feel like it's easy to be the best player when you don't have good players around you. What does that actually mean? My guess is, I go, LeBron is so much better, so much more important than his teammates that they build the whole thing around him and that statistically it just jumps out at you. That's, that's, not, that's not a false statement. It's, it's, it's harder to average 29 with the Warriors or 28 with the Warriors than it is 30 or 32 with the Cavs, correct? Now, the difference would be that LeBron has stood out and won games without Clay or Steph around him. That's probably the, the, the missed part of the discussion. I pride myself on standing out wherever I go. I pride myself on working hard wherever I go. I feel like these guys embrace me. I feel like I'm a warrior. He's telling you all you need to know about all the things kind of going on inside of his head, which is like, look, I like to get the ball and go and be the guy, but I'm dealing, I'm playing with really good players and they need the ball and they need to be the guy in their own sort of way. And that's been an interesting learning experience. Then there's this from Chris Haynes. Uh, the Golden State Warriors have uh, all-star Kevin Durant has said he, he might walk away when he's 35. Quote, this is your game, this game, your craft. You have to continue studying it. No matter how much you enjoy it, no one wants to be in school that long. I know I don't. At some point, you have to be ready to graduate. 35, that's just a number in my mind. Um. One of his his uh, business partner, Rich Kleiman, said, I've heard him say that, but I'll believe it when it happens. Golden State Warriors All-Star, this again from Chris Haynes' column, who scored almost 21,000 points, alongside LeBron James, who scored over 31,000 points, are two in discussion to overtake Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Durant said he's not chasing that mark because it's not about the record. I can leave the game knowing I did everything I wanted to do my way on my terms. That's how I want to leave the game. If I happen to have all those accolades and those accomplishments, then that's cool. If not, I'm still cool. So I don't think that's going to define me as a player. It's cool accomplishment uh, to be up there with the greats and to be considered someone who can potentially chase that or beat that, but I'm not playing for that. I just think KD's wired a little different. 
I think we 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 actually we don't want players to have perspective. I think that Kevin Durant knows he's in a spot to where he's 30 years old or about 30 years old. He'll have a chance to win, you know, two to four more championships. The idea that he won five more, I don't think that's happening. I don't think anybody thinks that it's realistic of happening. How do I know? Because it doesn't last for long whether you're in Chicago with Jordan, whether you're in L.A. with Kobe and Shaq. It just doesn't. But, you know, if you win one more championship, you got three. You win two, you got four. You win three, you got five. And you're up there with Kobe. You win four, you have six. Like, all right, now we're talking ridiculous numbers up there with Jordan. The likelihood is he doesn't get there. And what he's saying is, I'm good. And we don't necessarily want to hear that as sports fans. We want to hear what Kobe said to LeBron in Bleach Report, which is get as many rings as you can. That's the discussion. Right? That's why Kobe kept playing. That's why Kobe p- tried to play through a torn Achilles tendon. That's why he came back after the Achilles tendon. Like he wants, like he thinks the whole thing that the, at the end of the day, it's the six rings. Whereas KD's like, look, I'm just not wired like that. I'm going to win everyone. I'm trying to win everyone. I get a chance to win. If I don't win enough, like you didn't think I was good, what is one more ring or two more rings or three more rings going to prove to you about how good a player I was? And then you have LeBron, who I do I do think it matters to him how many finals in a row he gets to. Because he can he knows he'll never take down Jordan's record of six finals and six finals wins. The idea that he's going to win six championships being stuck on three. That's hard to believe because at some point his body will decline. Doesn't mean he won't get one, maybe even two more. Three is a lot. That's a lot of wear and tear. Feels like LeBron's like, look, I'm going to have every record outside of the six titles. And that's going to be how I can claim status to being the GOAT. If I'm the all-time scoring leader, if I've been in more NBA finals than anybody, if I've led more franchises to finals than everybody, if I've won a championship in three different cities, then I can lay claim to being the best all-around player with the best all-around records, even if I don't, even if the one record of most NBA finals or NBA finals championship uh NBA championships without a loss, that one's lost on me. All dudes are wired differently. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Every time I've had him on, I've said it because it really is true. There are just some guys who play in the NBA who everybody... The league is about about respect more than anything else. It's about relationships and respect. You ask anybody who's playing the NBA, it's about you got you to be good enough and handle yourself in a way to which people respect you. And then it's about those relationships which lasts far beyond when you're actually playing. If you listen to his show on Sundays, Chris and Karan, Karan Butler joins us in studio. Every week he's got somebody. He had Kobe a couple weeks ago. Uh, he had Dwayne Wade uh, going back to yesterday. They come on because they all respect Tough Juice, not just what it took for him to get to the league, but how he played and purported himself once he's in the league and how he handles his business now as he covers the league for us at Fox and for, for ESPN and for the folks at Turner. He works for everybody. Everybody <laughs> wants a piece of tough juice, and he joins us in studio. All right, uh, let's, let's, we'll work our way towards the Dwayne Wade conversation. Um, NBA Finals, like, wh- what's, your, what's your, when you see it, you see it from a different lens, having played, having won it before, what's your takeaway from the NBA Finals? 
Uh, my takeaway was, you know, thanks for the introduction like that too, brother. That was that was deep. Uh, I saw, you know, a team that was deflated, you know, that, that was running on fumes that got there in the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I saw a team on the opposing side in the Golden State Warriors who was just fresh and poised for a repeat. And Kevin Durant is the weapon. You know, the system is in place with the Golden State Warriors, with the Splash Brothers and Draymond Green and the supporting cast, but he is the weapon. And I said it, and people got, like, just went off the grid on me when I said Kevin Durant is the only guy in the association that's a wash at that position with LeBron James. They was like, what's a wash? I'm like, if you look at the Eastern Conference and you look at the run that LeBron's had in the Eastern Conference, he played in the first round he played against the Indiana Pacers. Indiana Pacers with Victor Oladipo and those guys. He offset three of the star players. He did it again in the Toronto series, and he did it again in the Boston series. He can outplay literally the best three players on the opposing team. But when you go to the finals, it's one guy on that team that can be literally a wash with him, and that's Kevin Durant. He's the weapon. And that's why – they had no shot whatsoever. Well, they, listen, game game one. Now they did have a shot. Of course, we all know all the things that to win a game, but not the series. No, no. I thought I I thought it would go five or six because I thought they could get one, and I thought maybe they could get one at home, and may, the whole series probably changed if they get one. Remember, Iguodala wasn't healthy, didn't play. I think they're a different team with him as mm. opposed to without him. Uh, you need that fifth guy. They were attacking whoever that fifth guy was on the floor. Those guys didn't. We're always in the wrong place, the wrong time, and and you know using Javel McGee, I thought was was smart. Something they didn't do in the Houston series, so I think they kind of changed as well. But I, would, I want your reaction to the footage, which I think all everyone's seen now. Game one, end of regulation. LeBron's sitting over there, and obviously he's hot, right? <laughs> he just he had, he had fifty one. Yeah, 50. he was hot. You could he, cook eggs on him. He, he was hot. Okay, he's hot. <laughs> And Jr. you know, like Jr. clearly wanted to apologize. I wanted to just go, my my bad. And <laughs> and like no one, no one did anything except for like Corver comes over and he's trying to like console, like, all right, it's okay. But uh, look, he could have gone one of three ways. He could have turned around and goes and did what he did in the court. Like, what are you doing? Like, what is the matter with you? But instead, he's just seething. And maybe instead of saying the wrong thing, he said nothing. But he also didn't go like, hey, next play, let's go get it back. Um, you've been in all those huddles with all those big moments. What was your reaction? I, w- I was just shocked because, like, Doug, you just talked about it, and you talked about your, your your child that, you know, goes attends the school with, you know, Mamba's kid and everything. And the one thing that you know as a parent, and I, I hate to make this a uh, comparison, but you don't want to show too much emotion to the people that look to you for the leadership and the guidance. You know, so, like, it can be the worst moment ever, and my kids can attest to this. I'm just like, I'm straight face, poker face. And in that moment, LeBron displayed all that emotion, and it just like it was deflating not only to JR but to the team. And then that was a moment, and then you go to the huddle, and then it's like he's revisiting the moment even in depth and just like there's no way from an emotional standpoint that they can come out that huddle and still be consistent on the court to give their best effort. And I told RJ, me and Richard Jefferson watching the game, he's like, no, LeBron's great. He's going to figure it out. I'm like, bruh, he he can't he can turn it on and off like that, but you got to think about the other guys that's looking and evaluating this situation from an emotional standpoint. They're hot, they're checked out. You lost them. Like, it's it's a wrap. 
you cancel Christmas. Like, the series is over. Like, any chance that you had at winning a game, it's over. Do guys in the league think of Kevin Durant at the level of, uh, he's playing at the level of LeBron? Yeah, I, I think so. I, like, look, this is what people see with Kevin Durant. And, you know, it, you know, truth sounds like hate to those who are not used to hearing the truth. So this is truth talk right here. They may feel like indifferent for him leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder for whatever reason. And he had his reasons. And the reason why it's justified because he's winning and he's winning MVPs, he's winning titles. And, you know, he has it all. You know, off, on and off the court, he's winning. Uh, financially, um, he's he's in a good place mentally. And that's all about, that's, that's all you can ask for. But you may have your mixed feelings because of that. But if you take that out of the equation and take that personal stuff out and just be like, as a basketball player, how can you not say that he's not on the same level now with two final MVPs, two championships, and he taking two away from LeBron? You know what I mean? Like, LeBron's still the best player on the planet right now today. He's the best player. But it's a photo, it's a, it's a photo finish when you look at him and Kevin Durant as, you know, going forward. Because Kevin Durant is special. Um, he's ready for the moment. And he understands that, look, in order for me to continue to be special, I had to continue to, you know, uh, go through him. It's Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Trader. That's the voice of Tough Juice, Karan Butler. Check him out, Chris and Karan, every Sunday here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Steph has not won a finals MVP. I've never thought of that as the calling card of whether or not, like, you're an all-time great. But he's unique, right? He won two MVPs but I don't know if he was actually the best player in the league. I don't think he was anybody thought he was the best player in the league either of those years. Harden probably should have won it one year. LeBron said, you know, hey, look, he had he had the incredible year in the 73 win year, but didn't make him the best player, just made him have the best season. Again, how do guys in the league, guys who have played, guys like yourself, how do they look at Steph in comparison to the other great players? Best shooter of all time. Uh off the dribble also. Uh, not just a catch-and-shoot shooter, but off the dribble, redefine the game from a perimeter standpoint, and um, can't tell the story of basketball without talking about Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. He's, here's, here's, here's how I would look at it. When you say best shooter off the dribble, for people who don't understand, some guys are great off the catch. Yep. Right? Like his dad was great off the catch. Unbelievable catch-and-shoot jump shooter. Ray so, Allen. Ray Allen. Okay? Some dudes are great going right. Some dudes are great going left. Now, does are there certain shots that he she has the lefty he always goes step back right and the right he likes to shoot off the crossover or whatever. But this is a guy that literally shoots any way you want, right, left, from almost any range. And when you say he's redefined, he's redefined what you consider a good shot because usually some of these shots they were considered bad shots not because mm. somebody couldn't make them because they would make such a low percentage your coach would take you out even if you did make it. That's a bad shot. Now we have to kind of read, wait, maybe it's not a bad shot. He makes a high enough percentage of it to which you give him more freedom. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I meant. And he sells out his warm-ups. Like, like when he's warming up to get prepared for the game, it's a standing room only. People want to see this guy get into a flow, into a rhythm, and he makes it fun um, from a technical standpoint. It's just, you know, amazing to watch. And, you know, he's he's having fun doing it. And – He's a Hall of Famer. He's going to be a future Hall of Famer. Two, two time MVP, two time uh, three three uh, three championships. Yeah, I it's mean, not close. What what else do you? I mean, what like it's just like we're picking we're picking at the bear, like we're poking at the bear, like we're just like he could have easily had the Finals MVP when Andre Iguodala won it. You yes. know, 
I mean, but it was the right thing to do because this is what they, they're controlling the narrative. This is what we're doing. We're rewarding uh, excellent basketball and people that sacrifice. And Andre Iguodala sacrificed something. All of them are all in about the team. And you heard Kevin Durant quotes when he said, look, <laughs> we won. Like, why are you even talking about that? Who cares? Like, if he won or I won, or, like, look, we won a championship. You know, it's interesting. They, they got away with the fact that their bench, this is the weakest bench of the three, and they got away with the fact that Draymond can't make a shot. Like, Draymond, he com- he lost confidence in it, and he just he couldn't. Like, it's really amazing because he was a kind of stretch five. He could make some shots, and he lost his jump shot sometime this season. I know he had a little bit of shoulder thing, but a lot of it is just mentally not having confidence. Kind of amazing that I think people somehow conflate the 73-win team, which had a completely different makeup and didn't win a championship, with this team when this team kind of limped in without uh, Iguodala for the first two games with Draymond being a guy you did not even guard. And and look, Steph had a couple of bad nights, but also the bench was just not very good in comparison to benches in the past. People, People made a lot of, you know, fuss about Kevin Durant going there too. Uh, and you see, if he had not went there, these two championships, I don't feel like they would have won. Agreed. This is what I said. Um, again, and I don't know if you you ever seen the movie Pretty Woman? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you know the part where she said she she tells she has this uh, vision of being rescued on the balcony, uh-huh. and and he asks he asks her what happened after uh, he rescues her, and she says she rescued him right back. I used it Friday. I was like, look, Kevin Durant rescued them right back because they saved Kevin Durant from a career of possibly not winning championships in Oklahoma City. Mm. But uh, these two wouldn't have been possible. If they keep Harrison Barnes, what do they do with the rest of the bench? Like that was It was a team that others would catch up to, like the Rockets, mm-hmm. whereas this team, it, it gave them a completely different look and, and put them, to this point, head and, head and tails above. Um, okay, let's do this. I want to find out what's going on with Steve DeSeger. Karan Butler is going to continue to join us, and then we'll get to your conversation with Dwayne Wade and what next for LeBron. Karan Butler uh, continues to join us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Let's take a listen. Uh, so the show is every Sunday, every Sunday, Chris and Karan on Fox Portray. Chris is Chris Mannix from Yahoo Sports. Karan is my guest. Karan Butler, uh, of course, an NBA champion with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, several times an All-Star. You see him on Turner Sports. You see him on ESPN. You see him on Fox he works for everybody. Actually, everybody works for him. Let's just kind of be honest there. <laughs> um, and uh, if, if you missed the, the interview in its entirety, go to iTunes. You can download it. Also download the Kobe Bryant interview, which they sat down for about 25 minutes with, with Kobe three weeks ago. Here's Dwayne Wade talking about LeBron James' future. I don't think it's a basketball thing. I think at this point in his life, it's more so of a, of a lifestyle thing of, a, you know, where my family going to be the most comfortable, where I'm going to be the happiest at. Uh, what do you make of that comment? I think it's spot on. You know, look, it's so many layers and there's so many seasons to an NBA uh, career, right? So when we come into this game as professional athletes, you want to be, uh, you want everybody to know your name. You want to hit the ground running. You want to, you know, tackle all these uh, invisible uh, goals that you set. So he's done that. And then you 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 go through the championship uh, journey where you're just trying to you know stack up on as many rings as possible, and then you think about the seamless transition in life after basketball. This is the winner of your career, and you know he shows no signs of declining or slowing down. But look, everything has to come to the end at some point, and you have to think about you know your family and 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 where will you reside and 
how can you make that transition as smooth as possible? And I look at I look at that, and I and 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 I think Houston obviously can win there. Chris Paul's buddy, his buddy for many years, a great friend on and off the court. And I also think about the Los Angeles Lakers, where he always already has a existing um, you know network of business already going on off the court. So it just makes a ton of sense to be here in this market um, and, and 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 excel. Do you, do you think there's a way in which he gets? Chris Paul to come here. I mean, I, I, I get anybody. I, I understand. Well, but the Chris Paul has, he could be a free agent. Don't want to take a pay cut. He's also, you know, head of the NBA PA. So for that, he doesn't, he, Chris Paul can't go like, Hey, I'll work for $5 million. Cause that doesn't, that that's, that's not great for everybody else in the union. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and there's always been the dream for the Lakers or for the Lakers always, you know, if not for the David Stern trade, Kobe would have even more rings. None, none of that would have happened. Like, I, I guess my question is, is there a plan that's already in place that we'll know about in a, a week or two, or do you think he's going to sit down and try and figure out what that plan is? Man, listen, you know, I, I think it's a process because, you know, if he leaves Cleveland, if and when, it, it's going uh, to be a, a long breakup. So, you, you know, you got to be respectful in that space. But I do feel like, and and he's a calculated guy. His team is calculated. I do feel like that decision has already been made amongst each other, amongst them, and they're just waiting to uh, move forward with that. Decision. Here's my hypothesis. You tell me if it's if it's way off. My hypothesis is the reason you're hearing all these teams, which you're like, mm, like the Golden State thing. I think that could actually do damage to Golden State if they meet with him, right? Which is like, wait, if they, in so many ways, if they meet with him, it's like. Clay's sitting there going like, hey, wait, I said I'd take less to stay. Now you're thinking about getting rid of me? Hampton Five. Huh? The death lineup, Hampton Five. You're going to meet with LeBron? Like, what are y'all What are y'all doing? Like, we want to stay together. We're we're the dynasty. Like, I think that destroys chemistry. Chemistry is everything, right? You know, you pass the ball. You under, you got familiarity with the, the, the guys that you're with. And then all of a sudden, you, you, you have a meeting with the best player on the planet in LeBron James. Now everybody's like, the player's not going to, um, you know, uh, support that mean. I don't think because that mean that two of the guys has to go. Right. And that's just that that would be crazy. Right. And then you have you have Boston, which feels like a tweak towards Kyrie. Right. I mean, it, it and I don't think San Antonio is not happening because as much as it's about winning championships, it's also about supporting those guys who he's brought with him everywhere he's gone. And that doesn't fly in San Antonio. Mm. Um, I just, I, I feel like these other teams are being put in play for a reason. And the other reason is like the Lakers want him and the Lakers want to make it work, but I think they wanted Fisdale to be the coach. I think they wanted some of the things to, to go be their way. And to that point, the Lakers have said like, look, we're going to build a great team around you. You pick the other superstar, you help recruit him. We'll get you there, but we're not going to let it be what it was in Cleveland. It's going to be closer to what it was in Miami. Yeah. I can see that also. But at the end of the day, when, when, when LeBron goes wherever he goes, he's going to, you know, not only be a client, he's going to be the president. <laughs> okay. So, so here's, the, here's the big question, though, that I haven't heard anybody talk about. You and I were discussing before we went on, on air. Look, he's in his 30s, and we can go 15th. A lot of wear on those tires. He wasn't as good defensively this year. He's super smart in how he picks his spots. He doesn't practice anymore. He just does his individual workout, he gets his body right, and he plays in games, he plays showtime. But at some point, Father Time wins every one of these battles. 
So you're going to sign LeBron to a four-year deal. What does year three and four actually look like? What is, how is, what's the next step in evolution of LeBron look like? Look, look, and this is a crazy, me and Chris are talking about this. Even a bad year for LeBron, right? This is a bad season. So some other guy's career season. Uh, he's going to average, what, 22-7-6? and six? Like, like this, this think about that. 22-7-6. Like, you can't even get your probably your, your star franchise, cornerstone of the franchise guy to do that right now. And he's going to do that on the, the, the back end on this end of his career. So with that being said, and if he has the talent around him, like, he understands his, his IQ is higher than others. Like, he remember plays, like, on the spot that happened in 2008. Like, it's, it's a rare handful of guys that can do that and think the, the game of basketball like that, that take care of their temple, which is their body, uh, investing over a million and a half, two million dollars in their body every year. So, look, he's serious about his craft. He understands that. And the thing that drives him is that we're having this conversation. He can't do that. 15, 16, 17, he has to slow down. He's like, you know what? I'm going to prove all the doubters wrong. I'm going to go out there and have a remarkable three, four-year run. Okay, so why did he wear the brace on his hand? Right? Everybody need a little sympathy. Though. <laughs> I mean, like, God, come on, man. Like even Superman well, wanted a, a hug. Yeah, he was, but he was already getting the sympathy. We were, we were already, we were already like, look, LeBron just didn't have the horses. He got Jr. Ty Lue doesn't call a timeout. George Hill can't make. Jordan Clarkson stinks. You can't even put him in the game, right? Like. Everyone was already sympathetic in his plight against the Warriors. Every superhero just want a little hug. So he he like why not just why not just wait until today and let it leak? Hey, you know what? LeBron had a broken hand. No way. Yeah, he had a broken hand. Check the video. He's got a swollen he's got a swollen hand. But and then let him, and then he comes out. Now he's got a full cast on today, and then he could come with it. Look, I don't make any excuses. We lost because they were the better team. That's it. And he take instead. It it looked like an excuse. I got a broken hand. Oh, you know, I punched. I lost my cool. I shouldn't have done it. What are you doing? But if you wait, then who controls the narrative? Because he did it when he did it, he still controls the narrative. Like, oh, my God. Like, what happened to his hand? I'll tell you later. He gets to control that. It's a, it's a, he doesn't have to say anything. He'd have he, The story could be that LeBron James... Punched a blackboard. The exact what the story is: he punched a blackboard. He broke his hand, but it could be like he didn't. He had he played three games with a broken hand and didn't say nothing to it about anybody. Instead, it's oh, LeBron gets beat. Now he's got a broken hand. Of course he does. What was the headline after after that post conference? The headline was the Golden State Warriors win, but the story was what happened to LeBron hand. Perfectly played. I disagree. I I wanted to give the guy every like. <laughs> Every like you're gonna come up with the that's that's the you send that's you send somebody a text and the next day like oh sorry about that text I was drunk like you still sent the text <laughs> you still sent the text look look we we compared him to the goat right the greatest right. of all time yes. Michael Jordan 21 years ago today he played the flu game so look I I, I would have been better but my hand was broke I like it I like it better when somebody else says it remember Mike Tyson said hey my back was broken. They said your back. You broke your back. Your back. He said my back was broken. That's why I couldn't fight. Yeah, my that, back was broken. That, that's part of you know what the, you know what Bill, uh, Bill Simmons I believe coined the Tyson zone. You know what the Tyson zone is? What's the, there, you're in the Tyson zone. There's no story about Mike Tyson that you don't believe to be true, <laughs> right? That's that's called the Tyson zone. So when Mike Tyson says I had a broken back, you're like yeah, I believe that. Mike Mike Tyson said I had my a foot. I had a foot bit off by an alligator. You'd be like yeah, I believe that. It's Mike Tyson. Tyson zone. 
But Le- LeBron James, I don't know. Like LeBron James, I mean, Paul Pierce still catching grief for getting wheeled off. That wasn't his choice. On <laughs> he getting, came right back. Uh, he came, he right came right back, back. In, the, in the wheelchair. In the wheelchair. Check out his show. It's um, on Sundays. I always get confused with the with the East Coast, West Coast, because I listen to it West Coast time. 9 to 12. All right, so it's it's but it's twelve to three Eastern time, yep. nine to twelve Pacific Coast time. He's tough juice. Follow him on Instagram, on Twitter as well. Maybe he'll fight Kobe Bryant's fights on Twitter for him. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, from my burner account. <laughs> <laughs> Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new twenty twenty five Infinity QX eighty live March twentieth from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Traveling for one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor. Stay at Graduate Hotels, Bridgestone Arena, Target Center. Their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? I love staying at the Nashville location, and I'll be at the Minneapolis location for the Big Ten Championship. And if you're one of my listeners, you can save 30% off with the promo code DOUG. That's DOUG, D-O-U-G. Good at any Graduate Hotels location, up to 30% off. How do you do it? Really simple. Book today at graduatehotels.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 